Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're looking at Holy Communion, the purpose and power of communion. And this is one of only two New Testament ordinances instituted by Jesus. The first, of course, is baptism, which represents the start of the Christian life, uh, that we died with Christ, were buried with Christ, arisen with Christ. It's a picture of the new birth and how we entered into a new life and a new relationship with Jesus. And that's why we're only baptized once. But the other ordinance is communion, which we take regularly because it represents our fellowship with Christ. Um, communion means fellowship. And that, of course, is continual. And so that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper again and again. When we receive Christ, he actually comes into our hearts to have fellowship with us, the sharing of our hearts and lives. Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him or dine with him and he with me. Isn't that interesting? He says, we'll sup together. And what he's talking about is fellowship together because that is the way the number one way, really, you have fellowship together with somebody is face-to-face -face over a meal. And especially in the ancient times, that's what having a meal together really meant. To eat a meal always signifies having fellowship. That's the purpose of eating together. And that's what the Lord's Supper or communion is all about. It's a time to draw near to God and deepen our fellowship with Him. And we do that over that meal. And so it's only for those who are born again, who have entered into this new relationship with God. It's only appropriate for them to have communion. We see that in the original Lord's Supper, um, because it was only when Judas left, the unbeliever, that they actually had this communion together. And so once we receive Christ... We have communion regularly in church, and I believe you can have communion with you and the Lord to feed on the life of Jesus. That's a meal, you see, to feed on the life of Jesus and to receive his cleansing and forgiveness. The origin of communion is actually the Passover meal. You have to go right back to Exodus 12. Let's just read the, from that. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this day of this month, every man will take for himself a lamb, uh, a lamb for each household. Uh, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. So he had to be a young male uh, lamb. And this, of course, is a picture of Christ, who is our Passover lamb. And this lamb was set aside on the 10th day of the month. Jesus actually was anointed for burial on the 10th of Nisan. And then he was set aside for four days until he was sacrificed on the 14th. He says, you'll keep it till the 14th day of the same month, and then you will kill it at twilight. And Jesus was killed. At twilight, that means three o'clock in the afternoon, between the evenings, um, at, at the very time when the Passover lambs were killed. He fulfilled the Passover lamb. And um, through his sacrifice, of course, we are saved. And the, those four days are a picture of the 4,000 years that God set aside Christ as our Passover lamb from the start of time and 4,000 years later he was sacrificed for us 
And then it says you will take the blood of the Passover lamb and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And then they will eat the flesh that on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with the bitter herbs they shall eat it. And so this is the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread as well. And, uh, and then it says you, that's when they started their exodus from Egypt. This is the Lord's Passover, it says. And, and, he, and he says God will pass through the land of Egypt and he judged all the firstborn of Egypt and the gods of Egypt. Uh, but, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so when they saw the blood on the Israelite doors, God saw the blood and he did not judge them. They were saved from the judgment. So by being under the blood, they were saved from judgment. But this word pass over actually also means I will hover over you. There's other scriptures that talk about God hovering over, spreading his wings over God, his people and protecting them. And so it says the plague will not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And there's this sense that as well as being saved from God's judgment, we're also saved from the curse. We're saved from the enemy because God hovers over us and protects us. And so notice there's two aspects. There's the blood, which was applied to their life, and also they ate the flesh of the Passover lamb. And that eating of the flesh gave them physical healing. Because Psalm 105 tells us that God brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble among the tribes. In other words, everyone got healed when they ate the Passover lamb. Or imagine two million people, not one of them was feeble or lame or unable to make that journey. And so through eating the Passover lamb, they were healed. So there is healing in communion, which is the New Testament correspondence to Passover. Uh, Jesus instituted uh, communion at a Passover meal, saying, I am bringing Passover into fulfillment. And so you can believe for healing when you eat the Passover, uh, when you eat the communion. And then, it's, then the Jews were told to keep it as a memorial every year, which, which they do. And so those are the two aspects. And then later on in Exodus 12, it says that when he, God sees the, the blood the Lord will pass over the door and he will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. So the Passover delivers you from the destroyer, from the enemy. He will not allow the enemy to come upon you. Why? Because the Lord will pass over you. He will hover over you and protect you. And so when you apply the blood, the blood protects you from the judgment of God, but the blood also protects you from the enemy. Hallelujah. And this type of Passover was fulfilled by Jesus. He died as our Passover lamb. And he, as it were, gives, gave his flesh for us and his blood for us so that we could have a new covenant with God. And so on the night of the Passover, um, at a Passover meal, he instituted Holy Communion. And he was really saying, I am come to bring the Passover into fulfillment. And... Um, this was at springtime, as the time of new beginnings. Uh, in the original Passover, Israel was delivered from slavery and curse and destruction in Egypt under Pharaoh. And 
This was a prophecy that when Christ comes as our Passover lamb, he will set us free from slavery to sin and the destruction and dominion of the kingdom of darkness. And he will set us free into a new life where we are free to serve God. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of that Passover. He releases us from that bondage. And so we're going to see now how Jesus did the Last Supper on the night before his death. And uh, Jesus took the details of the Passover as the Jews celebrated it, and he transformed it into a new covenant fulfillment of that. And we want to see how, how he did that. And, and so we receive the blood, uh, the Passover lamb, the flesh and the blood of the Passover lamb symbolically through communion. And then he in made it an institution for us to follow because he said, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, I want you to practice what I did now as a remembrance to me and my love for you. So he trans in the Last Supper, he was transforming the Passover meal onto a higher level, showing how he would fulfill it in himself. So I want to quickly give you the order of service for Passover. Now, this is how Israel practiced it for many thousands of years, and, and God gave them extra details in how they practiced it. And this is how Jesus would have practiced it. And, um, and that's why I've got these four cups here. They, were, they drunk four cups. And um, they involved something called the afikomen that I'll explain. Uh, and that's all part of the way the Jews have celebrated it. Even though they don't necessarily understand everything about it, the Holy Spirit gave this for them because of the fulfillment in Christ. The first of all was the first cup. This is the cup of thanksgiving. And they would thank God for the blessings of creation. And then they would uh, have the washing of hands. You've got to be washed. You've got to be cleansed in order to... Uh, and so a basin was passed around and they would pray. And this means you have to be spiritually cleansed to participate in fellowship. You must be washed before you can really fellowship. And then there was the afikomen and, uh, and the matzotosh. And th this white um, uh, pouch actually has three layers inside this. And uh, this is called the matsatosh. And inside this pouch, there are three pieces of unleavened bread. Now, leaven in the Bible represents sin. So unleavened bread represents something that is sinless, uncorrupted. And so there are three of these in here. I won't bring them all out to disrupt them too bad, badly, but anyway, you can see that there are three. And it's a strange thing. Why did they have this? It's not in the Bible, but this is what the Holy Spirit gave to Israel. And the middle piece is taken out. And this middle piece is called the afikomen. And this is a Greek word that means dessert. That which comes after, afikomen. And so this is going to be used later on. But for now, this afikomen is taken out and it is, as it were, buried or covered in a white cloth. And it's then hidden somewhere in the house. 
and uh, later the children will be released to search for it and when the ch a child finds it later on uh, they'll get a prize for discovering this um, the afikoman and this afikoman is very important now after that they had bitter herbs and this bitter herbs would remind them of their suffering in Egypt under the curse and then the lamb is brought for everyone to eat then they would drink the second cup which is called the cup of plagues or judgment and that of course then they would remember that the ten plagues of Egypt that were the judgment on on the on the on the evil um, the world and then they would uh, sing psalm, a couple of psalms and then they would have another washing of hands and then the host would make a sop of uh, of lamb in bread with bitter herbs and and then he would dip it in sauce and offer it to the person on his left which was his guest of honor and then this uh, likewise everyone would would eat of that and then they would eat the passover lamb as much as they want and then during the supper as i say the children will be released and they discover the afikoman and the afikoman is then brought forth from where it had been hiding and then it was broken and distributed to all of the people to eat. Well, and then after supper, there was the third cup was taken, which was called the cup of blessing or the cup of salvation. And this represented the fact that through the blood of the lamb, they came into all the blessings of God. And then they would sing some more psalms. And then they would finish with the fourth cup, which was called the cup of praise. And this is really praising God for the future consummation of salvation that God has begun with the Passover lamb. Ultimately, God would bring them into the promised land and fulfill all his promises to them. So this is looking into the future, the future salvation. So let's see how Jesus fulfilled it and transformed it for us. First of all, it, he took the first cup of thanksgiving. And we read about that in Luke 22. It says, When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him, and then they said to him, with fervent desire, he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I say I will no longer eat of it till it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so it says that that drinking of wine was actually um, the... That, oh, sorry, and then it says, then he took the cup, then he took the first cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until the kingdom of God comes. So that was the, the first cup. And then with the time of the, the washing came, when they were meant to wash their hands, actually, they hadn't even washed their feet, because normally if you come in, some servant would wash everyone's feet, and then you would be ready, and as they reclined at table, the feet were sticking out, but their feet were still all dirty, they were not ready to have fellowship. And, and so, what should have happened is the person at the bottom of the table, who in fact happened to be Peter, he should have washed the feet, but Peter was so upset that Jesus hadn't called him, hey Peter, what are you doing sitting down there? Normally, 
you see, we find that John was sitting next to Jesus and Judas was in the place of the guest of honour. And G Jesus had a special reason to reach out to Judas for the last time as the guest of honour. But So Peter normally would probably sit on Jesus' right-hand side, but this time he sat at the bottom expecting Jesus to call him up higher. Peter, what are you doing down there? Come up, sit next to me. But it didn't happen and now Peter's fuming because he's thinking, I'm, I'm the top man and I'm in the bottom place. And he refused to wash the, the disciples' feet. But then Jesus did a demonstration of his love by, uh, as we know, washing their feet. And he was actually also acting out a picture of salvation because he was clothed as the king. He took off the, his, his garment and put on himself the, a towel, the clothing of a servant. And that's a picture of Jesus in glory, laying aside his glory and wrapping himself in humility. And then it says he poured water into a basin and, and that signifies he poured his life into a human vessel. And then it says he poured out that water to wash their feet. And that's Jesus pouring out his life, even in his death, and, and washing us from our sins. So he's, and then it says once he had done that, he then returned to the top of the table and put his robe back on again. And uh, that's a picture of Jesus ascending on high and being glorified, having washed us. And so Jesus acted out the washing at that point. And then we come to the afikoman. And the Jews don't understand the meaning of this afikoman and uh, what it's all about. And so why are there three? And why is there a pouch of three? And they come up with all kinds of funny explanations. But actually, we can understand perfectly because the afikoman is, represents God. Sorry, the this matzotosh, as it were, represents God. And we know that God is triune. That's why there are three pieces. God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But only one of those th three pieces comes into manifestation, and that's the afikoman, which represents Christ, the Son. And he is brought forth, and that's a picture of Jesus coming forth. And this afikoman is unleavened bread, that means sinless. Also, it was striped because Jesus was striped for us. And it was also pierced through with lots of holes, which represents the fact that Jesus was pierced for us. So this is a picture. The afikoman is a picture of Jesus coming forth from God. Hallelujah. Now, what happened next was, of course, the afikoman was, was, um, was broken. And Jesus was broken for us on the cross. And then he was put in a burial shroud and he was buried. And for a time, he was out of view. We'll see what happens to the afikoman in a little bit. But Jesus was buried and he was out of sight and a lot of people thought that was it. Then as we carry on in the feast, they would, they would have the bitter herbs. And these represent the bitterness and a reminder of the bitterness of sin, the curse of sin, and the fact that Jesus took the curse for us. And Gethsemane, he bore, started suffering for us and bearing the curse for us, the bitterness of sin. And then they took the second cup, which is the cup of judgment. And this is the cup in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember Jesus talked about a cup that the Father 
has asked us to drink because the judgments are coming on the whole world because of sin. God must judge. And Jesus was offered the cup in the Garden of Gethsemane, which was the cup of the judgment on our sin. And Jesus was willing to drink that cup. That's why he said, oh God, if it's, there's any other way, but your will be done. And if I need to drink that cup, because if Jesus didn't drink the cup of judgment for us, you would have to drink it yourself and you would be drinking it for all eternity. Thank God, Jesus drunk the cup of judgment. He took the judgment on himself. And so that's how he fulfilled the second cup. Praise God. And then they sung some more psalms. And then they gave, the host gave the sop of lamb to the guest of honor. And th that in this case, it was Judas. And remember, he said, someone is going to betray me. And the, John asked, who, who is it, Lord? And he said, the one that I give the sop to, Judas, that was sitting on the left-hand side. And by offering the lamb to Judas, Jesus was reaching out to Judas, offering him salvation. But sadly, that's the time, it says, when Satan entered into Judas' heart and Judas left. He left to betray Jesus. And so now it's just 12 of them there. Uh, Judas has gone and now Jesus can complete the communion service. And then they ate the Passover lamb. And uh, as far as Judas is concerned, the Afikoman has died, is, is just there, out of sight. He wasn't there to see what happened next. Because this is when the Afikoman is brought forth from its hiding place. And it was taken out. And in the same way, Jesus rose from the dead. He was buried, but now he rose from the dead. And he rose on the third day. And then it says in Luke twenty-two nineteen, Jesus took bread. What bread did he take? He took the afikoman. He was taking himself. This represents Jesus risen from the dead. He blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, the afikoman, that which comes after the meal, after his death and resurrection. Take it, eat it, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so this is the communion bread, it's the afikoman, and it represents the resurrected life of Christ. And so when he broke it, this rep and gave it, this represents Jesus' resurrection life. He says, I'm the bread of life. And as you eat that bread, you are eating, you are partaking of the resurrection life of Jesus. You're reminding yourself that all your life, your spiritual life and your health comes from the resurrection life of Jesus. And the resurrection life of Jesus is for your spirit, it's for your soul, and it's for your body. And as they ate the Passover lamb and were healed, you can eat the, of the Holy Communion and you can be healed by the resurrection life of Jesus. And so that is what actually stands behind communion. It's the fulfillment of the afikoman. And then he took the third cup. This is called the cup of salvation. It said, and then he says, this cup, this is the third cup, symbolizes or is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. 
The cup is Christ, the blood, and the wine is, the blood, is his blood. And, and all his blessings are in his blood. And as you drink from the cup of salvation, you are drinking all the blessings that are in the blood. You're reminding that every blessing comes from Christ and his blood. And he says, gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant shed for many for the remission of your sins. 1 Corinthians 10, it says, the cup, of, the cup of blessing, that's this cup, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion, the fellowship of the blood of Christ? You're partaking of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break, is it not communion of the body of Christ? Hallelujah. And so this is the cup of blessing. It's the fulfillment of the Passover meal. And then they sung some more songs. And in one of the Psalms they sung, Psalm 116, it says this, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. And so when you drink the communion, what you're doing, you're taking the cup of salvation, you're thanking God for his salvation, and you're calling upon the name of the Lord. You're calling upon that covenant for God's every blessing of God to flow into your life. And then finally, they would sing the, the fourth Sorry, they would drink the fourth cup of praise and this is where they would look forward to the second coming. He says, drink this. Jesus said, you'll drink this until my return. He says, you're thanking, thank you, Lord, for my final salvation, which will happen at the resurrection. And you're looking forward to the future salvation that the blood of Jesus has provided for you, your future resurrection. And so Jesus wants you to enter in. He says, he says, this is, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he give, gave it, which means he gives you every blessing through his body and through his blood. And then he says, take it and eat it. You've got to take the life of Christ and eat it. Take it and drink, he says, and partake of everything I've done for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And, and Paul, when he talks about the, the Last Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, it's so important that God personally revealed it to, to God. He says, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. And so you proclaim until Jesus comes. And so fellowship with God around communion it's a wonderful time to focus your thoughts on Jesus. If you're interested in a DVD of any of our programs, uh, that is available to you just by phoning the church office and, and ordering it from us. And if you need a list of the programs, we can also make that available to you. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk.
or by calling 01865 515 086.